Good morning. How are you guys doing? Not like we can actually have a conversation right now, but I figured I'd ask. Um, if you have your scriptures, let's open up to Colossians 2. Um, I think that's roughly page uh, 1 or 820 ish, 821, something like that, uh, in the Bibles in front of you if you don't have a copy of the scriptures. Um, uh, but we'll be in Colossians 2. We're going to be uh, continuing in our uh, Colossians series um, that we've been in for a few weeks now. Um, Brett took us through uh, the beginning of Colossians 2 last week, and so we're just going to piggyback off of that and, and keep going there, starting in verse 6. Okay, but while you're flipping open to there, let me go ahead and just, just in case you're kind of new to this right now, um, we've been studying Colossians. Colossians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul uh, to the believers at Coloss, Colossae. Um, it was this place where there was just this church. It was a vibrant church. It was a thriving church. Okay, it doesn't have the, the negative undertones that you kind of hear in Corinthians where Paul's got a little bit of a correction, a little bit of rebuke. Uh, to these people, the people in, Coloss- in Colossae, these, these believers, uh, were kind of on point, right? They were, uh, they were rolling. Uh, the gospel was working among them. Uh, they, were, they were pressing forward. They were moving forward. Paul says uh, that they had a firm and disciplined faith. Okay, he kind of praises them uh, for where they were uh, in their faith. He says they're bearing fruit on behalf of Christ, Okay, so um, this isn't one of those letters where it's like, hey, you guys need to fix this. This is more like, hey, uh, I need to remind you of something because you got a threat among you, right? Uh, the church was planted by this guy named uh, Epaphras. Um, Epaphras received Christ through Paul's ministry in Ephesus. And then he went to Colossae, planted this church, okay, and, and it's thriving. Paul actually never even visited these, uh, this place. Uh, he's writing completely on Ep- Epaphras's report. Uh, to, to him, okay, and it was glowing, it was a good report, however, Paul needed to address something, right, he, we have this letter for a reason, because what was going on is that these people were being uh, somewhat uh, pressed, they were being somewhat attacked, and by the way, we just went all the way through Acts, and if there was a theme in there, one of those themes was that where the gospel is moving, you can expect spiritual attack at some point, am I right, okay, where the gospel is moving, you can expect you can expect some attack. You can expect something to hiccup at some point in time, okay? And so the gospel is moving in Colossae, okay? And, and so they're getting attacked. They got this thing, and these, it's these false teachers. All right, they're people that have come among them, um, and they are preaching something uh, deceitful. It, they're preaching something hollow. Uh, scripture says at the beginning of Colossians 2, uh, that it was fine-sounding, right? It was fine-sounding arguments. There's a level of appeal to it, uh, but ultimately it was empty, right? So just so we kind of know what's going on here, this is a broad uh, Colossian heresy, I guess you could call it, this false teaching, okay? It consisted of quite a few things, uh, one, of which, one of which is, is what we uh, kind of know as, uh, I guess, Gnosticism a little bit. Uh, it completely denied uh, the deity of Christ, Right? Paul is addressing this, and uh, that is why we get Colossians 1, 15 uh, through the end of that chapter. One of the strongest uh, passages in Scripture about who Christ is. You can know Christ as he's presented in this. this. This gives you everything you need to know about him. He's supreme. He is God. Right? He, uh, he, he is supreme over all things. He was before all things, and all things hold together. Okay, that's Jesus. But whatever these guys were preaching right, was not that. 
right? It was more of a, how could Christ be God? Uh, he's got human flesh. He's, you know, he's kind of in this world, and, and God is not in this world because anything that is, you know, fleshly or anything that's even material uh, is completely, completely evil, right? So how could Christ really be God? All right, so that was kind of under attack. And a part of that was that um, in order to receive any kind of enlightenment, any kind of salvation, that there was a, a secret knowledge or a secret understanding that you needed to know beyond the scriptures. Okay, beyond the Bible. Um, they, they had kind of this uppity approach to them that we got something that you guys don't have in Christ. Right, in the belief in Christ. And so that was part of what they were preaching. But not only that, if you read through the rest of Colossians, what you'll see uh, is there was a lot of legalistic issues, right? There's a lot of Old Testament laws and rituals and ceremonies um, that these people were forcing upon them, preaching that they needed, right? Which under the New Covenant and in the New Testament, we don't need that stuff, right? So they're preaching that. They preached uh, the worship of angels. They preached uh, so, some other forms of mysticism. That's just kind of, kind of weird, right? It's this hodgepodge of just weirdness that these people were deceiving God's people with. So Paul writes. And he doesn't write and saying, you know, you guys need to fix what's going on. You, you know, you, you guys need to kill these guys or something like that. He writes and the, the fullness pretty much of his strategy to these people is stay in Christ. Continue in Christ. Right? Let me remind you of what Jesus did. Whatever these guys are offering doesn't even compare. Doesn't even compare. Okay, so we're going to look at that a little bit today. He jumps into uh, that in, in uh, chapter 2 here. So starting in verse 6 of chapter 2. So then, just as you received Christ, Jesus is Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, um, as you uh, were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. I'll go ahead and read that again. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Okay, in that last paragraph there, you already uh, catch glimpses, right? He brought circumcision onto the table, which we've, uh, we, we've discerned what's going on there. Circumcision in the Old Testament was, was, an out, was it a, um, a showing of your faith in God, but in the New Testament, uh, it's ir irrelevant, right? You don't have to mutilate your body to follow God. Um, rather, there's a symbolic circumcision of the heart um, that is presented in baptism, as he talks about here, okay? Um, so he's addressing that whole legalistic aspect again. But if you jump back to verse 6, um, we have this concept here. Brett ended with it last week, and so I want to start with this, this, start with it this week. Okay? Uh, it's, that, I, it's this idea that just as you have received Christ, continue to live your lives in Christ. Alright? This doesn't say continue to live your lives holding Jesus' hand and using him for moral support and leaning on him whenever you're having a hard time, but ignoring him outside of all of that. This is, a, this is a complete unity in Christ. It's inseparable. You're in Christ. 
right? It is a, uh, there's a depth to this that we don't typically know uh, with just people, right? Um, it, it will be the deepest relationship that you have if you are in Christ, all right? Paul, I do not believe, is saying that uh, once you have received Christ, then you are automatically in Christ, right? You're automatically living in Christ. In fact, I can tell you right now, based on my own personal life, that I've received Christ, but there are times where I'm not living in Christ, okay? Because what he says right here, how he describes it right here is he says this, verse 7, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness, okay? Um, this isn't the idea of perfection, right, that, that to be in Christ, you have to be perfect, and so once you receive Christ, um, you sin no more, you know, there, there's, there's, uh, there's no issue, you're in Christ, you should be fully mature, uh, this, this definitely implies a process of growth, of being strengthened, right, of being built up, right, and, and it's the people who are pursuing that in genuineness and humility um, that, that are living in Christ, okay, there are people who receive Christ, who have received Christ, and who are not living in Christ. So let's talk about what it means to live in Christ a bit. Because what Jesus did, and this is amazing, and it is totally by his grace, is what he did is that even though he ascended into heaven, right? Um, he, 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 was re- he was killed, he was resurrected, and then he ascended into heaven. And so he's not standing here in the flesh, you know, right next to me. But scripture tells us is that we can have a relationship with him and we can know him just as much as I can know you face to face. We can know him fully through, through the ways that he is here, right? And that happens in the ministry of his spirit, in the ministry of his word, in the ministry of his people, right? Romans 8, 9 says that if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And if you have the spirit of Christ then you belong to Christ. And so once you receive Christ, once you surrender your life to him, you surrender your life to him, you receive him, then what you have, what you gain, what you get is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides, he directs, right? He intercedes for you uh, in prayer. Uh, He helps you discern the scriptures, okay? It's Christ alive in you, right? It's like, it's like, he, he's so much deeper than just your conscious or, or just some sort of, you know, a vague idea of morality or something like that. It, it, it is Christ in you, his desire, his will. It moves through you. Okay, that's, that's his spirit. You receive that when you're in him. If you don't know him, you don't know your, the spirit. And if you don't know the spirit, then everything else is irrelevant because he is the one that discerns that for you. Okay, he, he left that for us. We can have fullness of relationship with Christ through his spirit. But he also left us the ministry of his word, right? John 1 says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 2 Timothy 3, 16 uh, and 17 says that all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, right? That's all being built up words. That's all strengthening words, right? In Psalm 1, uh, it says that if you meditate, those who meditate um, and delight in the law of the Lord, in the word of God, then you're going to be like a tree, planted by a stream, right? Deep roots. You're not going to wither. You're not going to fade, right? That starts at the delight uh, of the word of God. It's the ministry of the word. You can have a full relationship with God through the ministry of his word. And if you feel like you're being built up or strengthened and this isn't a part of your life, I'm telling you you're not, okay? This is, this is, this is crucial. This is um, the incarnate uh, Christ, Right? He, he left this for us. He created this. He gave it to us so that we can pursue him fully. 
right? Ephesians 1 tells us that the body, which is the church, is the fullness of Christ, uh, him who fills everything in every way. Right? So uh, uh, we know Christ fully through his people, those who are also in Christ, those who have received Christ and who are living in Christ. The spirit is alive in them as well. And when we join up with them, right, we experience fullness. That's why we are so adamant about small groups, about Christian community, about being part of that, about accountability. Right? This is all actually part of our active, direct relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, it absolutely is. First Thess- Thessalonians uh, 5 10 and 11 says that he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just in fact as you are doing. That's the call of the church. At least one of them is to build each other up. That's where it happens. That's when it happens is in community. Okay, Ephesians 4, 16, from the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And that's talking about the full body of the Christ, the church. Right, Romans 14, 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Okay, this is how we are strengthened. This is how we are built up. This is how we live in Christ, by submitting to the ministry of the word, by submitting to the ministry of his people, and by not quenching the spirit. Right, it's kind of a scary verse in there in the New Testament that you can actually quench the new spirit. And this doesn't at all mean uh, that somehow the, the spirit is, is not as strong as sin or something like that. Or like this is at all like this equal battle between good and evil inside of you. Because it's not. Spirit wins every time when we get out of the way. But when we don't, what happens is we cherish sin, we hold on to sin, we pursue sin. And what happens is we quench the spirit. We quench the spirit and we become vulnerable. Right? His voice is not the loudest in our hearts and in our minds anymore because we're, we're dwelling in these other places that we shouldn't. All right? If I could just be a little transparent with you. I've been a believer. I received Christ 20, 21 years ago, um, which is quite, quite a long time ago. And there are still times in my life um, um, that I can honestly say that I hit these ruts. You know, I hit these spiritual ruts where I honestly feel like, like me and God couldn't be further Uh, apart from each other and if you look at my life in those times what you'll see are two things okay what you'll see is a a, a passivity towards sin in my life and you'll see a completely neglect of God's word every time every time and I don't know if you're like me some people might be more aggressive uh, in the way that they you know kind of explode or in the way that they live outside Um, uh, of the ministries of Christ in these ways, right? And what's worse about this, by the way, is the people closest to me, I'll blame them first, you know, which is ridiculous. And Kenzie's over here like, yep, yep, she's my wife, you know. I I blame them first, and it takes this whole massive drawn-out process. It's just just ridiculous, you know. If I were to just, you know, persist uh, to, to, to remain in the word, right? And, uh, you know, I'm so grateful, by the way, too, that, that aside from these things, I mean, I have the spirit, you know, I have the word of God. But, man, if it were not for God's people, right, if it weren't for, for my, my, my oak tree of a father or my tender mother, both of whom, you know, love Christ, if it weren't for my co-laborers uh, and my friends who are in Christ, if it wasn't for my godly wife, I wouldn't know what in Christ means. I wouldn't know what that pursuit means. Because, because they are the ones that keep me there. 
right? I can read the word, and, and I can try not to quench the spirit, and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't have anybody buddying up with you and edifying you and encouraging you into that, it's easy. It's easy to give up, right? It's easy, it's easy, it's easy to falter. It's easy, easy to give in, Okay? So that's what he's talking about. When he's talking about living in Christ, it's about taking full advantage and getting out of the way, letting the ministries of Christ reside in you, move through you. Be honest about where you're at. Be humble about it, right? And in Christ, you're, you're, you're being strengthened. You're being built up. You're, you're growing, okay? You're not just a receiver of it. You're living in it. And also, another by-the-way little segment here, okay? This place, uh, Brett wonderfully preached um, the, a few weeks ago about how it's really easy to get caught up in Christian culture, right? Uh, you know, you, 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 you love Christ maybe or whatever, but you, you're, you're more captivated by just the culture, right? Yeah, it's WBGL, and I'm going to go to First Baptist North. Which, by the way, uh, the atmosphere here is wonderful. Believe it or not, you're probably going to come in here, experience kind people, Probably good music, but not because of the drummer, right? I just, I just hit things. Um, um, even if you come to our earlier service, we got an organist that she's literally playing three pianos at one time, one with her feet and two with her hands. I don't, I don't know how she does it. Like, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of skilled people in, in this church. You're going to be, you're gonna be taken, taken by it. You're going to enjoy it, right? We have a lot of ministry opportunities uh, for you to be a part of that are, that are fun, Right? Uh, they, 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 they might feel uh, fulfilling a little bit. Okay? But what you need to know is that we're not the Boys and Girls Club. And we're not an extracurricular activity. Right? And we're not a foundation here to just raise money for a good cause. Okay? And hopefully before too long, if you're new to this place, what you're going to start feeling is a strong nudge from the Word of God to, to live in Christ. To not just be a receiver of it and to not just enjoy the atmosphere of it, but to live in it. That's what you're going to experience from the word. That's what you're going to experience in this place. We're glad that the atmosphere here is inviting and good. Uh, that, that's intentional. But, but it's part of the process of, 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 of pursuing an in Christ relationship. And we're going to point you to that every time. Okay? When people live uh, truly in Christ, by the way, their, their attitude changes. Right? Uh, look, at their scripture, look at the scripture, verse 7. Rooted, built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Right? I, I, I just, I've never understood people who claim, they declare an in-life, or an in-Christ pursuit, right? They're, they're on point, they're trying to live in Christ, but they haven't an ounce of gratefulness for anything. They haven't an ounce uh, of gratefulness. I don't understand how believers uh, can have such a victim mentality. In fact, Brett uh, shares that with us a lot, and I fully agree that when we are in Christ, you are no longer allowed to be the victim, right? We, we can't have this woe is me kind of attitude and mindset. If you are in Christ, if you have the hope of glory in your pocket, why can we not be grateful? Why can we not be overflowing with thanksgiving? Why can we not do that? And if you're here and you struggle with that, it's kind of just, it kind of just stinks for you, honestly, because you're also in the same room of a family who went through a heart attack, a potential cancer scare, surgeries on both ends, and in the midst, four kids, uh, one of which is a newborn, right? If you go to talk to them about that whole experience right now, what you're going to hear is God is good, God be praised, God gets the glory, I'm just glad to be alive, Right? 
there are people who have not experienced this. And, and, and life is just a torment for them. But they're in Christ. Right? And I know, I know there's, you know, a whole world of stuff that I don't understand. But it just seems like it doesn't matter here with the Apostle Paul. Overflow. Overflow. If you're in Christ, this will be a part of you. Your attitude will change. You will be thankful. Overflow. Let it overflow. Okay. Um, who? There was another guy. Let me share this with you. There's another guy in here in our um, service, just this last service. Another man that when you talk to him and ask him about his, his life, it's just praise God. Uh, uh, God be praised. I'm just grateful to be alive. Um, the guy, um, his, his wife um, um, was, was dying and he tried to do CPR on her and, and she, it didn't take. He, he watched his wife die in, her, in his arms. He has a daughter who struggles um, with a pretty severe disability. Uh, he has gone through alcohol addiction, drug addiction, right? He, uh, um, he still suffers quite a bit with just uh, different physical ailments in his body. But man, he's just going to tell you about Christ and he's going to do it with a smile on his face. And, he, and you're going to feel the gratefulness from his heart towards the Lord, right? He's in Christ. He's in Christ. And he, and he is being strengthened in Christ. And he is submitting to, to, to life in Christ. And that's what you're going to get. And there are many other people in here who are experiencing things that I've never experienced. And when you talk to them about it, gratefulness pours out. Okay, so if that's a challenge to you, good. Let it be a challenge to you. If you, if you, if you can't find enjoyment in what's going on around you, if you can't give God praise... For what's going on in your life, be challenged by the stories of these people who are in our midst, okay, who are living in Christ and who are pointing other people to life in Christ, even through that stuff. All right, so Paul is encouraging these believers uh, towards life in Christ. In verse 8, we're going to jump into verse 8, he starts unpacking a little bit uh, this heresy, this false teaching that's before them, and he kind of summarizes it. Uh, we talked about it earlier where it's just kind of this very broad understanding of all these different things. He summarizes it in about three, um, three pieces here. He says in verse 8, So see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Okay, he says see to it. See to it. This is kind of a, a warning slash command, right? There's danger. It's real. Uh, there's gravity to it. It requires action, right? There was a reason he wrote this letter. Whatever it is, it, there is some gravity to it, okay? Uh, and he says, he says, don't be taken captive, all right? Now, this doesn't mean like, you know, a mosquito flying into a, a lamp or something, you know, because you're captivated by the beauty of it. This means like a man breaks into your house and holds you at gunpoint while he steals all your things, that's this kind of captive. That's what the root language is pointing us to. Okay? What these men are doing, what these false teachers are doing is they've broken in and they're robbing these people of truth by distorting truth. Right? They're robbing them of, of what is real, of what is true. It's making them doubt. It's making them rethink what they've already been taught and what they've already believed to be right and true. They're robbing them of truth. He calls this hollow and deceptive philosophy. Philosophy just meaning like a love of wisdom, a friend of the wise kind of thing. It sounds good. It sounds smart. It sounds higher up. Uh, but he says it's deceptive and it's completely hollow. Completely empty. There's nothing there for you. Um, it might seem right or good for a moment, maybe. 
but it's worthless. It, it, it ends quick. It, there's nothing to it. It won't last. Okay? Hollow and deceptive. It's all about the appearance, uh, but it's empty. And so he, he sums up the fullness of this heresy kind of three ways. He says this. He says that uh, this philosophy, this hollow and deceptive philosophy, depends on human tradition. Human tradition. Um, he already addressed circumcision as we read. Uh, he talks later about ceremonial rituals, Old Testament laws uh, that are no longer relevant to uh, uh, the New Testament, to the New Covenant. Uh, yet these people are forcing those. Okay, human traditions. He also talks about, um, uh, well, he talks about other things. But he says in part two, he says depends on human tradition. And then he says depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world. Okay, that seems kind of kind of kind of weird there a little bit. If you have a more word for word uh, translation Bible, what you probably read there is basic principles of this world, right? No doubt, spiritual forces have influenced uh, this world. Okay, so the spiritual forces thing kind of kind of ca- it's a catch all. It catches that, uh, but the idea is that there are basic principles of this world uh, that can also c- completely deceive us, throw us off. Right? It's hard to put flesh to this, but I, I had an experience with it, I think, one time. Um, there was a guy who came to know Christ. He received Christ. His name was Brad. And he had this kind of weird situation, and he just felt like God had, had kind of called him. And so um, I was meeting up with him, and uh, he, he kept referring to this other guy. This other guy who was very spiritual. Um, this other guy who was kind of his anchor through the hard times. And so, like... You know, I was excited for him. and wanted to meet that guy, so we all ended up having dinner. So it's me, Brad, and this other guy. And uh, good conversations and stuff. We started talking about the life change going on in Brad. And, uh, you know, this other guy was talking about, you know, you're just talking about how he was able to help him and stuff. And so I just assumed this guy was a believer. And so I just said, hey, well, when did you receive Christ? When did you come to know Jesus? You know? And so then him and Brad kind of looked at each other and just you know, kind of smirked, kind of just like, Adam doesn't know something. You know, you definitely, you know those moments where you just feel completely on the outside or you feel like you said something wrong or something. And then what comes out of his mouth next just totally confused me because he goes, well, I'm, I'm spiritual. I'm spiritual. And Brad's like, man, he's the most spiritual guy I know, you know. And I'm like, okay, cool, what does that mean, you know. Um, I, I was totally lost. But what I felt like is that they had something that I didn't have in Christ and in the scriptures. That's what I felt like. Oh, they got something better than I got, you know what I mean? Which I firmly believe, uh, all pride aside, that I have the best. You know, Jesus Christ is the best. But in a moment, I just felt, what, what, what are they talking about here? You know, I felt out of the loop. That's got to be how these people felt. Whenever these people just break in, they start talking about things that are unintelligible, things that are above them, right? That was part of what they were preaching. So you need something beyond this, beyond the word, to understand what we have. Right? So, elemental forces, basic principles of this world, just this general spirituality, you know. Um, uh, he, he did mention in that that he has a high value of just morality. Just more, you know, spiritual and morality and stuff. Very, very fine sounding stuff. Don't get me wrong. Jesus even has a lot to say about it. But if, if he's not the center of it, then it's empty and it's worthless and it's pointless and it's deceptive and it's not true. 
Okay? And that's, that's kind of the thrust of what he's saying, right? And by the way, when I say human tradition and when I say basic principles of this world that distract our culture, that distract our church, hopefully you got running lists in your head of, of the infinite things that fill those lists, right? Um, if I was doing high school ministry, young adults, I'd pull out the blackboard right now. The blackboard, nobody uses those. The whiteboard. Uh, and, I, and, you know, I'd start making my list. How have these things uh, affected our culture? You know, how does human tradition affect our culture still? When people uh, uh, can, uh, persist to make, uh, to, 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 to define their own forms of worship as standards for other people. How in the world is that still a thing? Because it is. People still say you've got to worship this way, you've got to pursue God this way, and if you're not doing it this way, then you're doing it wrong. And you have the other people who have zero regard, right, for, or any respect for how they are personally worshiping God, but when you call them on it or when you ask them about it, they throw a fit, right? The whole idea is if you're not doing it how I'm doing it, then you're doing it wrong somehow, right? It's still present. It's still there. If we're talking about basic principles, right, of this world, I mean, what, what, what do we have shoved down our throats? You know, especially our, we have so many young people in here, which is awesome. I say young, I'm not even 30 yet, but like younger than me even, right? But I know what they confront on a daily bas- basis, right? It's just the press uh, to find fulfillment and purpose through being spiritual and through success and through uh, being smart and tolerant and, and all of these different avenues. It's all fine-sounding. But if Christ is not the center of it, then it's pointless. If Christ is not the center of it, it, it is absolutely pointless. Okay? So he talks about human tradition. He says it depends on human tradition. He says it depends on the basical, basic principles of this world. And then he catches everything else that those two might miss when he says, rather than on Christ. The very end of verse 8. Right? That's the idea. If it's anything rather than Christ, then it's off and it's temporary and it will not fulfill you. And it might sound good, but it's not going to do the job. It's not going to fill you. It doesn't have the fullness that Christ has for you. Okay? And you can broaden your understanding of this or your application of this. You know, we, we have such an issue in our churches where, where gospels replace Christ as the center of their ministry, the center of their preaching with, with prosperity or with self-promotion, right? Um, we have people who, who preach understandings of Christ that, that really are just for moral encouragement. They, they, they re- disregard life change. We have, we have uh, faith-based places that, that, that declare and preach a, a very deluded understanding of who God is. He's more of a pantheistic cartoon character than he is uh, somebody who, who, who can change your life, right? Uh, that somehow your life, uh, you know, the, the, the prized jewel of, uh, of creation being humanity is somehow just as important as a thoughtless tree or a soulless animal. It's ridiculous, right? No wonder we have such a messed up view of human life. Well, no wonder we have a disregard for it because when we ignore uh, the intentionality that God created with, right, when we ignore the dignity that he created with, then it's, we don't get this wrong, right? But it happens when, when ministry leaders neglect the fullness of the gospel. 
It happens whenever they neglect the grit of the gospel. It's all about what God can do for you. But, you know, that part about bear your cross and follow me or, or you know, any of the other thousands of passages that talk about how there might be some sacrifice involved, we'll just set that to the side. Maybe they'll read that by themselves. We're not going to preach it here, though. Sounds good to a lot of people. It goes nowhere. It goes nowhere. Okay. Politicians can bicker about all they want. It's not going to work if Christ isn't the center of it. Ministries can profess the best way to do ministry and to grow uh, the accounts and to grow the numbers. But if life change in Christ and the pursuit of being in Christ is not the thrust of it, then it is just a human thing. That's all it is. It's just another business. It's another corporation. That's all it is. So whatever message or philosophy that you have been told or that you are telling yourself, right, in regards to your marriage, in regards to your parenting style, in regards to your identity, in regards to your finances, or, or just your general lifestyle or habits, whatever you've been told or whatever you've been telling yourself, if Christ is not the center of those things, stop thinking about it today. Because it's going to get you nowhere. It's going to fill you. Um, uh, it's not going to fill you at all. It's a waste of your time. And he has so much more for you. He has so much more for you. He's got fullness. He's got fullness for you. Fullness of purpose. And, and, and knowing who you are in him. Uh, it brings perspective and purpose and meaning into your jobs and into your, uh, into your marriages and into your homes and into your um, uh, the ways that you just decide to live and, and invest your time and money and energy. He brings perspective and fullness into all of that. You, that doesn't happen in any of these other fine-sounding places. So if you're here today, and first of all, you don't know Jesus. This is brand new to you, right? Um, the, this, this goofy guy up here is talking about all these words. I don't even know what he's saying and, and you know, whatnot. And, and so you, you, you're just kind of confused, Okay, first of all, so glad that you're here. Second of all, all you need to know today is that you need Jesus severely. Because apart from him, you have no chance to see what is deceptive. You are fully vulnerable. And he's got fullness waiting for you in Christ. And if you are here, and you've received Christ, and you... You claim him and all that good stuff, but you can honestly say that, that you know, when it comes to the ministry of the word, when it comes to uh, the ministry of his people, you know, and, and seeking out community and advice from people who are in Christ, you can honestly say that you have cherished sin in your heart and in your life right now, and, and you're resisting what the Spirit's telling you to do because you know it's going to be a little difficult. If that's you today, he has fullness waiting for you. All you need to do is submit to those things, to repent of those things, right? It, it, it is really that easy. It is really that easy. He did all of the hard stuff on the cross, right? And if you're here today and you are trying to be strengthened, you're trying to grow, you're, you're moving, you're, you're pursuing Christ, you're, you're, you're really trying to live in Christ. And I tell you what Paul says, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Because all you're going to do is kind of keep growing, right? You're going to have hiccups. That's fine. Be honest about where you are before him, with him and with those around you. Uh, keep in the word. Keep in community, okay? And, and you'll, you'll grow. You'll keep growing.
All right. Let me go ahead and read just this last little section of, of uh, this part here, starting in verse 13. Okay, this is, what, this is the hard stuff that Jesus did for us so that we can experience this. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Okay? We aren't perfect. We fall short. Everything that we are deceived by, everything that we, every sin that we commit to, every um, um, wrongful thing about us was nailed to the cross with him. He died for those things. Uh, if you think you need to be good or better or perfect to approach him and to have him, you're missing the point of the gospel. Because while you were still sinners, Christ died for you and gave you life. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. That's the point of the gospel. That's the point of grace. All you need to do today is surrender to this. That he bore all of this stuff for you so that you can have freedom in him. You can have fullness in him. You don't have to be deceived. You don't have to be uh, barred down by whatever is barring you down. You do not have to do it because in Christ and in pursuit of life in Christ, that's exactly what he gives you is fullness and freedom from all of that. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. God, I'm just grateful personally for, for, for the ways that you have just um, been so active in my life through your word and through your people. God, apart from those, I, I just would be so lost. I wouldn't understand this, Lord. God, if there's anybody here who, who also just doesn't understand this, um, they don't grasp what's going on, God, I just pray that you just make them very aware of their need for you. Father, that you'd begin uh, to discern for them, to reveal to them the ways that they've been fooled uh, by the constant uh, pounding of, of fine-sounding but empty ideas and philosophies and messages of this world. Um, God, that they would see their need for you and that they would surrender to it. God, I pray for those in here who have received Christ, but they've fallen away or they, or they, uh, they have just kind of fallen into a place of pass, uh, just passive uh, aggression in regards to their sin or they, they just... Uh, they just they're just holding on to it. God, they're cherishing it uh, and it's keeping them from living fully in you. God, I just pray um, that you just bring them uh, to, to repentance today, God, that they would begin uh, kind of a, a refreshed pursuit of you. God, that they would begin to live in you again. God, for anybody in here who is uh, declaring you or claiming you or even captivated by you and the atmosphere of this place and uh, all that, God, but they're, but they're not submitting to the ministry of your word. Um, the God, they might not even have your spirit. They're not submitting um, to, to the direction uh, that, that comes from, from your spirit alive in your people. God, I just pray that you do that work today, that God, you would just reveal that to them. God, and that they too may begin uh, living in you uh, today. God, we commit all these things to you. We ask that your word be heard uh, far beyond my words or, or anything else today. God, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Let's stand and sing together.
Desperate for 